Hi, I'm Marcos Castanon, and you're listening to the Friars and the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 214 of Friars and the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and that's Roy, and we're both feeling it like it's the first time. It's the first time. Oh, my gosh. So many first things. The Padres' first winning streak all season. So we'll cover that. We've also got some minor league news in the affiliate rundown. A ton of minor league news. Yeah, a ton of minor league news and some crazy games to cover. Uh, But we've got some firsts to celebrate at the major league level. The first is the first four, like the first four game winning streak of the the Padres all year. Padres were the last team to win four games in a row. And they did it in what, the third to last week of, of the season? There's what? Yeah. 10 days it's like, left? It's like they waited until that elimination number was as close as it could possibly get. And I said, okay, we'll start winning now. And they've won seven in a row. And so, I mean, everybody out there is doing the math. Like, what happens if they win 10, 12, whatever? There's 11 games left and they're five and a half back. No, no, there's nine games. I don't know what it is. Right. But it, it's the kind of thing that has you wondering, like, where was this a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the quick thing to say, well, the two articles that came out condemning, you know, with the exposés, if you want, with Kevin A.C. and Dennis Lynn on how how much, you know, the, the, the clubhouse is fractured and there's a disconnect between the front office and, and you know, the players and the coaching staff. Um, it has, I don't think that has nothing to do with it. I think Bowmel said it best when, when he was asked kind of that question by AJ Casavell today in the, in the presser. And so do you, what do you attribute this uh, um, kind of win to? And it, it was alluded to like some of the things that were written previously. And he's like, I, I don't know the recipes. If, if I did, we'd have a much better record. You know, but right. It, it seemed like he was trying to throw it out there without really having to throw it out there. Well, I would hope that at some point there, I mean, they know that this media stuff is going on. Uh, but when the game starts, you hop over that chalk line and you leave all that stuff behind you. Um, or probably, I mean, even when you come into the dugout, you know, all that BS stays outside. Like who was it? Quincy, Quincy Jones would put the sign up on the studio door, like leave your ego at the door or something like that. I, at some point they just go out there and play. And I wonder if at this point they've, some of those expectations are gone and they're just going out there and kind of having fun and doing their thing. I also wonder if you've got some different people in the dugout. Now you've got Matthew Batten and Eggie Rosario and Luis Camposano doing their thing and Jose Azokar and kind of more of the role player types rather than your eight starting position players that you're going to have every single day. So it's, it's like, it's, it's a whole different thing now, but it's, it's fun and it's exciting. Even if you know that it's all kind of in vain, you know, it's one of those things where you bring up the young guys and, you know, you hear it all the time from coaches. They're given an opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Um, Go show what you can do. And with that, these guys have just killed it. I mean, Matthew Batten, you know, like three weeks ago, we were going like, Oh, Matthew Batten's not the answer. Um, You know, certainly when, that you know, it takes a while for major, you know, for players to kind of get used to major league hitting. And it's the end of the season. You know, most of these teams that we're playing aren't that great. Like we're playing some really crappy teams. But the difference is, is they're taking a hold of that opportunity and running with it. And and I tell you, what I really think about this whole seven game win streak is what 
where would we be if we had Camposano all season? Just Camposano. I guarantee we'd have five or six more wins easy, if not more. How many right, times yes. during the season did did we come up with two two guys out, you know, two guys on, two outs, and have Nola either strike out or roll over something and just be a rally killer, or even Grisham for that matter? Like it, it would be a completely different record, I think. Right today in the post game, the the question was asked about being able to play matchups um, and the flexibility. And Melvin, you could tell in his answer, it's like he he's been missing that. He's been missing having those players he can pull off the bench, yeah. do the righty lefty matchup, and uh, you know be able to do the defensive substitutions. Because this whole first half of the season, they were carrying two DHs. Kind of, kind of kind of uh, ties your hands on what you can do as far as substitutions. And now you've got Matthew Batten can play everywhere. Eggy Rosario, move him all around the infield. A Zokar can play all around the outfield. Um, there's a balance of, you know, this guy's got speed. This guy's got a little bit of pop. Uh, but at the same time, all these guys are staying within themselves, especially yeah. Camposano. And yeah. he's got such a good two strike approach. Um, he's, he rarely strikes out. He's always putting the ball in play. And when he puts it in place, hitting it on a line, I it's just it's fun watching these guys and it's like I mean the expectations are gone so yeah I've I've already resigned myself to the team missing the playoffs and so I'm just yeah. out there to see who's going to do something cool today and yeah. so yesterday's game I I knew Blake was going to go out and pitch a good game I had no expectation he was going to go out and throw a near no hitter and I th- that that was one of those edge of your seat games like keeps you right on the edge of the seat the whole time and it was it was a lot of fun it was a fun day at the ballpark. You're muted, Donovan. There I am, back again. God dang! I, I, so, so guys, just real quick. I, I'm pretty sick, and I'm not going to work tomorrow. Uh, I shouldn't have probably went to work today, or even Monday for that matter. Um, but I'm trying to get along with this. I needed to get this content out. I want to get this content out for you guys. But absolutely, um, Camposano. It, it's night and day from. I love listening to the guy talk. Like in the past, we've heard him talk. Uh, you know, we, we I interviewed him up in High A several years ago. Um, the kind of the the kind of back the back talk about uh, Camposano was sullen, very to himself, very quiet, very few words. Um, and then you see it earlier this year when Marty Caswell interviewed Camposano, and he was bright, he was articulate, he was upbeat, he was positive, he was everything that you that was not what you heard about the guy and um watching him make these adjustments at these at bats go in the opposite field all the time like he's done it several times just hitting the ball and play hitting it the other way trying not to do too much you know and i'll tell lydia i tell this all the time like usually guys will roll over that pitch and hit the outside pitch to the shortstop and it's a ground out to third you know ground out to short or third mm-hmm. instead of letting it go deep and just getting it into play um, it's been amazing. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm so stoked for him. Um, such a turnaround um, emotionally and performance on the field. And you hear it from the pitchers talk about it, how much he has changed, uh, done a 180 on his receiving communication, uh, you know, not necessarily play calling, but like pitch calling, but like just all around performance behind the plate has been stellar. Right. So what was it a year or two ago that he caught a game from Blake Snell and people kind of were reading between the lines uh, about like Blake doesn't want to throw it to him or doesn't trust him back there or whatever. And then, okay, yesterday Blake had one of his best starts in the majors and that was with campus Sano behind the plate. And he got down there blocking at least 10, 12 
pitches, you know, taking them off the thigh, off the chest, took one to the throat, uh, just you know, being a dirtbag back there and doing everything that a pitcher could ask. I <laughs> so okay, so first winning streak. Jose Azokar got his first major league home run. So Dang. excited for him. Eggy Rosario got his first and second home run. Uh, and then Matt Waldron got his first win. The Waldron win was fantastic. Like, like we talked about this before in the past about it's, it's, it's got, you know, the stuff is there. Is it top, top of the rotation stuff? No, but it's good enough stuff to be effective in major league baseball. And it was about a pitch mix. And like, does he throw the slider more? Everyone kept saying, throw the, throw the knuckleball more. Now that was a day game. I missed the game because I was at work. Um, but I heard that he threw the knuckleball more and just dominated really. Right. And well, and it's not just that he can throw the knuckleball more. I and mean, if you go up there and just you're floating knuckleballs, eventually you're going to get tagged. Uh, but he's got 91, 92 that he can locate on a corner to keep guys honest. He's got the slider. Um, and so it works. And so I think with him and Matthew Batten and Eggy Rosario and Jose Azokar, all four of those guys are people that you should be able to pencil in next year for triple A depth. Um, right. You know, I could see any one of those guys making the back end of a roster, but I mean, as we've seen this year, you need so much depth and you need guys you can trust to come up. Matthew Batten, I would trust him to come up and, you know, make a start, a spot start anytime. And, and so that's what you've got in these four guys. I think Eggie's finally starting to get his legs under him, feeling comfortable, making really nice plays on defense um, and starting to show what he can do at the plate. Uh, so it, it it it's encouraging for what they can do next year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's all this really is, just a preview of what could be next year. Now, I'll go with Farley saying I wouldn't mind seeing Matthew Baden as the fifth infielder. He plays all four infield spots and can hit in a pinch. Yeah. Now, if I think part of that depends on what somebody's kind of like their mentality, their day-to-day right. approach, all of that. Can they handle being on the bench for three, four, five days and not see in the field and then, oh, hey, pinch hit, get in there, pinch run for somebody. We need defensive replacement. That's that's a hard thing to prepare for, especially when you've been down in AAA starting every single day for the past couple of years. Uh, but I, I I hope that that's what he's preparing for. And because really, I mean, you, at some point you need to look around and, and okay, what is, what is my role? Where am I going to fit? If I can stick on a major league roster, it, it's kind of hard to puff your chest out and say, I deserve to be a starting player every day. And I'm, you know, I, a lot of people, they have that in their head. And I, I have a feeling that Matthew's the, the humble kind of a yeah. guy that can understand that. And talk to the people around him because you've got veterans, right? You got Matt Carpenter that's just sitting there on the bench right now. Well, he's on the injured list, but yeah, how does he go a month with barely seeing the field and still stay sharp and prepared? And people were saying great things about what Matt was doing, Carpenter. Yeah. Doing it, putting in all the work before games, during the games, staying ready because he never knew when it was going to get called. And it, I mean, he didn't touch the field for what was it, almost three weeks? Three weeks. I think he had one pinch. And then the, the first time he came back was like a pinch hit and he struck out. Right. And um, after that game, Bob Melvin was like, I've never wanted somebody to get a hit harder in my life. Well, you know, and we're going to get into it a little bit later on, but like even now with, with coming into next year, you have all this pitching depth down in double A that's performing well that we've been talking about all year that is going to be I, I'm not sure if you know some of those guys are major league ready, but I would think a couple of them could be seeing some spot starts, if not into the rotation due to injury or whatever, coming up next year. 
Right. And so you've seen what's happened with the team an hour up the road that they've they've had so many injuries and they've been able to hold this season together because, well, their offense is a juggernaut, but the pitching they've been able to pull up from double A has been talented and ready and yeah. good enough to, to keep them in the games. Yeah, um, and so that's I mean. Matt Waldron, I see him being that kind of a guy. He can be the shuttle guy, bring him up and down, whatever. So if they can have a handful of guys like that ready next year, that's what the team really needs. And that wasn't there this year. And Jay Groom never quite got it going. Uh, Ryan Weathers wasn't that guy that we were hoping Anderson Espinosa could wind up being that guy, a couple other people. And it just, it never panned out. And so hold on to these guys that they've yeah. got in double a and hope that they can take that next leap forward next year. And then maybe bring in a couple of journeyman guys to, to supplement it. Yeah. Some inning eaters, but let's move on. We got, we still got a ton, a ton to talk about before we even get to the affiliate rundown. We sure do. So start, tell us about some transactions. Well, so, so what's been going on is the single a Cole Poplum has been tried from San Antonio back to high uh, from to San Antonio from a high A. So he didn't pitch last night, but you could pr- certainly see him pitch on Thursday or if there's a game on Friday. Uh, but he's with San Antonio. Nick McLarty, uh, Nick McLarty was up in AAA early this week, and I have it in the affiliate rundown. They, they sent him from Elsinore to El Paso. His first hit is RBI triple and was just was just holding his own. I think he stole the bag. Um, infielder Jared Dale. So then McClary went down, and then Jared Dale came up from uh, Fort Wayne to El Paso. Saw a couple at bats. I watched that game. Uh, I'm not sure if he got a hit. I think he got a hit. I turned away for for a little bit and missed his hit. Um, Carlos Luis is also in El Paso. I didn't watch last night's game because I was watching the missions game. I'm not sure if he got in the into the game. Yeah, he but, was in the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you know these guys. This is the time where. They fill those guys in. This isn't necessarily a performance-based uh, movement. I think it's just guys that, hey, we want to see what you can do. We need you here. I don't even know if it's what can you do. It's like they need a warm body. Like yeah. Nick Nick McClary can play all over the place. He's shortstop middle infield. Uh, and so when I saw that he was pulled up from – he was just drafted this year. Yeah. Tenth round, tenth round draft pick. And he was doing okay in Lake Elsinore, but it's not like he was ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, but it's like we need somebody. And so they sent him up. I feel like that's the same thing with Carlos Luis. So you've got so Fort Wayne, their season's done. We'll we'll cover that in the uh, in the rundown. But yeah, they lost in the playoffs, so their season's done. Lake Elsinore's done. Uh double A is in the playoffs right now, and so they've tried to collect as much talent as they can yeah. right there for that playoff run. Um, and then you've got AAA that needs to finish out their season and there's injury bugs. going. I mean, it's that time of year. People, guys are getting hurt. Stuff's stuff's happening. So, you know, anybody with a, with two legs and a heartbeat. <laughs> Come on up. Come on up. El Paso. Also, um, we have instructions started. Yeah. So I haven't seen a roster yet. Has it actually started yet? Or I, is it on I, the verge? I think it might be on the verge. I heard it. I read someone wrote that it had started. I think it might have been a Jeff and uh, Jeff Sanders uh, blurb when he was talking about the minor league system. Um, oh, okay. Because he also mentioned that it used to be a game at the Petco Park at the end of Instructs. Um, I haven't seen anything about that. That was the what the Don Welke Classic they called it. Right. Yeah, know, they didn't do it last year. They didn't do it last year. I'm not sure they they may bring that back this year. I would hope. Mm-hmm. I really hope. Um. 
and then we've got Arizona Fall League. They're, they're, the rosters for that are going to be dropping soon. Um, I heard a little insider uh, news, not news, but a little rumor from a friend of ours yesterday. Uh, sounds like Grand Pauly might be going to the Arizona Fall League, which would make a whole lot of sense. I, I don't know why he's not making a spot start this year with the major league team. <laughs> the, kid is, the kid's just in, in phenomenal. But yeah, that's dope. You know, and we're going to go a little bit over that. Um, MLB, MLB Pipeline has, has some hope some hope to see guys uh, on their list. And one of them is one of the Padre guys. Um, so moving on, the Dominican winter league just had their draft last week. And Henry Baez, who had a breakout campaign in low way was drafted. He crossed a hundred innings off th- this, uh, this year. And was one of the two Padre prospects selected in the Dominican winter league draft would guess his workload would be limited, but good experience for him. So if he just pitches, you know, a couple innings this year with, with, with that team he's drafted he will now play for that team for the rest of his dominican career so say next year he you know he's injured or like he doesn't pitch as much or you know he can pitch more innings he has to play for that team Mm -hmm. yeah and then francis pena who signed for ten thousand dollars just before his 21st birthday last last February was selected by the Leonis one round later. Uh, he showed some good stuff down the stretch in the storm bullpen is, and was on the tin caps playoff roster. Um, he could carry a significant workload in the winter. Uh, they noted that um, because he didn't put in a whole lot of work during the season. Yeah. Uh, so it used to be that major league baseball had a winter league page and you'd be able to, to see all of the Padres players playing in whatever leagues they're playing in Venezuela, Australia, all over. And I haven't seen that updated the last couple of years. I don't know if they're going to do that this winter, uh, but I'm going to try to keep my, I always go and try to search all the different rosters, oh, yeah. what names I can recognize so we can keep an eye on who's doing what. Um, outside of I mean, on Twitter, you see the Leonis del Escojito post yeah. that somebody hit a home run and oh hey, I know that guy and I <laughs> <laughs> he's playing with the Escondido. Um, yeah, it was always a surprise, but you know we're, we're going to try to stay on top of that this winter. Absolutely, and it wasn't more than two years ago that we were saying, dude, Steve Wilson needs a shot. Like Steve Wilson was the closer for um, was it? I can't remember who it was for, but he was their closer and he was he, he had like 10, 15 saves was just like, holy cow. Yeah. And then we gave him some podcast mojo and then look where he's at now. Now he's on the injured list at the moment, but he's had a great couple of years with the Padres. Fantastic season. Really, this is the year that I think he really established himself as a major leaguer. Yeah. Yeah. Last year he was, he was an important guy, but this year he's been steady. Uh, Okay, so next on our list, Baseball America, they put out their prospect hot sheet every week, and they're not giving much love to the Padres players. So I was excited to see they finally put Robbie Snelling on their list. Uh, So he was 19th on their list this week. Uh, The scoop, Snelling put an appropriate capper on his brilliant regular season last week. The 2022 supplemental first rounder pitched five innings with only five hits, one one run allowed against Springfield to pick up the win. He finished the year 11 and three, 1.82 ERA still has an opportunity to further add to his special season. He is scheduled to start the missions, Texas league playoff opener against Amarillo on Tuesday, which he did. And we will talk about that. It went good. Not great, but what can you do in Amarillo when the ball sails like that? Oh place? <laughs> it's course. It's course field 2.0. It really is incredible. It really was. It was a it was a wild game. So we're yeah. gonna riff on that in a little bit. Oh, we are. So the 
Also, minor league baseball is starting to announce their all-stars and their awards for each level. So, so far we've seen the single A. Uh, so, and it's kind of, I think the names that they chose were kind of interesting in a couple of ways. So first one's obvious pitcher of the year, Robbie Snelling, whatever superlative chosen to describe Snelling's campaign with Lake Elsinore might still be insufficient. MLB's number 60 prospect came out blazing in his professional debut and it all started in the Cal league. Snell didn't allow more than one run in nine of his 11 starts for the storm leading to a 1.57 ERA, a 1.01 whip and a 59 to 13 strikeout to walk ratio 39 and a third innings before his promotion to high a Fort Wayne and later double a San Antonio. Snelling is one of three finalists for the MLB pitching prospect of the year award. And he's got a strong chance at it. Absolutely. Uh, And then next top MLB prospect, Ethan Salas. Now this is of everybody in the California league top MLB uh, prospect, Ethan Salas, Lake Elsinore Snelling's teammate and battery mate. Salas was the talk of the minor leagues in 2023 signed as an international free agent in January. Baseball's number five prospect made his pro debut on May 30th with singles in each of his first two at bats for the storm. Salas put up remarkable numbers slashing and I'm not going to get it, but anyway, he had a great, great season with Lake Elsinore moved up to high Fort Wayne for like a week and then went up to San Antonio for a couple more weeks before they shut him down. Uh, but I mean, just what a debut. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then they're all stars. Graham Pauly was chosen at third base and Samuel Zavala for the outfield. And, uh, so ran into John Nolan yesterday at the ballpark. He's in yeah. town. Um, and I was talking to him about that and I thought it was interesting that Graham Pauly is on the regular a triple a, the, the all-stars because right, right. he wasn't, he wasn't in Lake Elsinore that long before they called him up. And when he was in Lake Elsinore, he hit for strong average but there wasn't a whole lot of power. And then he goes up to Fort Wayne and something unlocked inside that guy. And he just started to go off. So I feel like he deserves to be a high a all-star more than a regular a all-star, but you know, take what, take what he can get. Right. And then, well, so, so what I'm going to say, what I've been saying almost all year since we've been talking about this is this, this system is a lot better than I think seventh that has been ranked by, MLB pipeline, or if it was baseball America, there are a lot of good players in here. So these guys, they had to spread the love around is what I'm trying to say. So going on to high A all-stars, this just came out before I, uh, before we got onto the podcast, Jacob Marcy and Nathan Mortarella were chosen as a high A all-stars uh, this year. Marcy was leading the chin caps in, in games, 113 runs, 91 hits, 109 Walks 87, stolen bases 41, and OBP of 413. He was first in the league in games, runs, walks, and OBP. League-wide, he also ranked second in hits, third in stolen bases, sixth in OPS, ninth in hit by pitches. Uh, you know, Ripken Reyes has that. Uh, and the tenth in average, 273. Uh, Marcy's 143 WRC plus was the highest among all qualified players in the Midwest League and the sixth best in franchise history, dating back to 2006. That's huge. The highest since Fernando Tatis Jr. in 2017. Marcy was one of the only three players in the league who'd walked more than he'd struck out. His swing and miss rate was 5% was the third lowest. Looking back at Fort Wayne's franchise history, Marcy's OBP was ranked third highest, while his OPS is sixth best, both the finest over three seasons at the high A level. 
The 22-year-old came from the Detroit area who was drafted in the sixth round last year at Central Michigan University, played 112 games in center field and one in the left. And so that part right there that out of Central Michigan University, I always love it when guys get an extended chance to play near home where family and friends can come out and cheer them on on a regular basis. So I, Jacob Marcy, I hope you've enjoyed your time in the Midwest <laughs> because that is over. You can punch Good. your tickets at double a <laughs> no more trips up to the, uh, you know, West Michigan, what is it? Yeah. West Michigan white tap white caps. And then yeah. you got the, you know, the, the great Lake loons. No, he's going to be traveling around Texas next year. Yeah, he'll be around the Texas League. You better get your boots out. Uh, Nathan Mortarella was also chosen. Mortarella led the Tinkats in home runs with 16, RBIs with 73, doubles at 26, and total bases 179. Wait, he led the Tinkats in all those stats, and he got moved up to double A like a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's not what you're doing. It's who's in front of you and what, you know, you, you got to have space. You got to make room. Right, but those doubles and total bases, that's all him and the home runs. Yeah, the yeah, RBIs, I, I bet half of that was Marcy and the other half was uh, was Graham Pauly. Oh, right, because he always hit in front of him. At the time of his promotion, the left-handed batter was second in the league in games with 112 RBIs and total bases while slotting third in hits with 103 and runs with 71, fourth in doubles and walks with 73. Fifth in homers, seventh in slugging percentage at 450, and eighth in OPS 821. His W32 or his his 132 WRC plus ranked ninth. Monterey's OPS and home run total were both top ten for a season, was the top ten for a season in the franchise history. He played 81 games at first base and 21 in the left field. I I watched almost every 10 caps game. I don't remember one game of him playing in left field. Yeah, but but. <laughs> In that interview, he said he likes playing left field because yeah. he wants everybody to remember that he can move. He's right. not he's not Mr. <laughs> Cement Boots. Although he is a little chunky, he got movement. You know, he's got Kyle, you know, someone said this on Twitter and it, it rings true. He's got Kyle Swarber looks all over. The the, the swing. Um, someone also said, um, God, he's first baseman for New York. We had him. Cubs. Who? We traded him for Andrew Kashner. Uh Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could see that, maybe. I think he's going to be better, but we'll see. Let, let's, oh, my gosh. I'm not getting too excited. I mean, you're talking multiple all-star games, like MVP votes. I, it's possible. I'm not saying, but, you know. Right. <laughs> There's a long way, but, you know, and I get a little little excited. So that's just me. So anyways, MLB.com also ranks Monterey as the number seventh first base prospect in baseball. You know, it's been a long time since the Padres had a good first base prospect yeah. uh, because that's really not been Preller's M.O. And so last year, it was so unusual for him to pick two first basemen in the draft. And they were pretty close to each other in the first 10 rounds with with him and Griffin Dorshing. And both of those guys, I mean, Martorella has been better than anybody really could have expected. Yeah. But Dorshing has also been holding his own and making his steady progress. And definitely wasn't hitting that well in, in low A this year after last year's breakout season, but went up to Fort Wayne and really started putting it together. Absolutely. On top of hitting those tanks, just artillery shots into left field. Oh man. Are you going to spring? Have you guys decided if you're going to spring training next year? I, I, we haven't, and we probably won't. We just, Oh um, man, you, I, you I, gotta go. I, I know. I know. I know. I know. But if we go, I'm going to make it a working thing. I'm going to, I'll get credentials and I'll get us some interviews and, um, we we don't know yet. We we haven't really talked about it. We're still 
she still hates baseball, although the seven game win streak had us, you know, we went to the game on Monday <laughs> and talked to John Nolan. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes, but let's move on. Well, sitting on the back lots, watching Griffin Dorsing mash laser right. beams right. over those fences and wondering about how many cars are getting damaged out there is a fun time. What is that? Is that field one, two, three? I think that's field four and five on the on the north side. Yeah, the, the two on the north side. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I guess they'll on. have him pointing the other way now. Then he'll be with the double A group probably <laughs> next year. Anyway, so Jim Callis also put out it's that time of year. Everybody's putting out their all league teams. Jim Callis put out his all breakout pipeline team. And is there a better shoe in for that than Ethan Salas who just yeah. burst on the scene this year? Uh number five on MLB's top 100 list we knew the consensus top prospect in the 2023 international class was good we didn't expect him to do anything close to jumping to double a and number five on the top 100 at age 17 i mean honestly if he would have made his debut in the arizona summer league and by the end of the season maybe come up and spent a couple weeks at low a everybody would have been just so happy and pleased and just stoked on how the whole thing went and I mean, he just blew everybody's expectations out of the water. Yeah, it's one of those days. You know, I, I think it's they moved him up a little too quick. You know, we've talked about that with other people and, and thinking that they just, you know, he was if he would have just stayed in, in, in Lake Elsinore, it would have been a phenomenal year. But going up to high A and performing pretty well, was hoping he was going to stick there. Sure, they, they sent him up to double A incredibly aggressive i i really think they want him to pitch with mazer with snelling um with with crobe uh these guys in double a and really get a good sense of how you know they work together because they're probably going to be together for a very long time um very aggressive but still i, I think he did he held his he did okay in double a he overmatched a little bit but you know you still need that time to just to get used to where they're pitching how they're pitching you on every level so Whatever he did in double A was just gravy. And I think, you know, where he really should have stayed was in high A and did okay. Um, but there's tons of like about this kid. And we just can't stop talking about what's going to be. So you guys are going to hear this for the next couple of years until he's with the major league team. And, you know, and I don't know what we're going to do with Camposano just coming on the scene like he is this year. It's going to be right. Something. Well, I'm just, I, I'm trying to justify it by thinking that the Padres had a plan that they had certain coaches that they wanted him around. They had certain people that they wanted him around. Uh, is Raul Padron still in double A this year? No, he's in, he's in triple A. Is he in triple A now? Yeah. Uh, but they may have had him, you know, because th they've got roving catching instructors and hitting coaches. Um, so there may have been something going on these last couple of weeks of the season, where they wanted to get all these guys together, um, you know, to get some, some real work in. Uh, but the interviews that we've heard with different pitchers and stuff, it really does sound like all the, off the field stuff yeah. is not really a question mark at this point with Salas that he's, he's involved in the game planning. He's, he is incredibly advanced for his age, as far as uh, understanding what adjustments to make during a game and all that kind of stuff that we were wondering, well, shouldn't he be in Lake Elsinore learning this stuff all summer? Right. Um, maybe, maybe he is a step ahead of all that stuff. Absolutely. And so they're going to see what they got and we'll see where he shows up next year uh, after spring training. But moving on, so the, Josh Norris from Baseball America had his ACL top 20 prospects, and no surprise here, it was Dylan Head. It's no secret that the Padres love to shoot for upside when acquiring talent, and they've done just that with Head, a high-ceiling prep 
who was San Diego's first round pick in 2023. Head who was just barely qualified the list, marries a quick level swing with a mature approach, and results showed up in contact, impact, and zone control before he moved to low A. The Illinois prep product has a combination of near elite speed and athleticism, which should make him a layup to stick in center field, where scouts before draft before the drafts pegged him as potentially plus defender with 55 grade throwing arm. That's a nice little layup. Nice job, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he only played 14 games in the in the Arizona Summer League. Yeah, but enough to make an impression. Yeah, you, you know, and this is something that I think Preller does. Sometimes maybe to his detriment, um, he brings you guys up a little bit too fast. Uh, certainly, it's it's all the time you see guys coming and get drafted and moving up to low A in the same year. Um, this year, with with the crop in Major League Baseball all around, you saw some of those guys even made their Major League debuts. You saw them start in Double A. You saw them start, you know, make it the way to Triple A. I mean, Jackson, Jackson, God, Holiday, just a monster season. Starting in low A, making it into triple A, and performing in every single level, just raking in every single level. Like, I, I can't wait to watch this guy play in the bigs. All right, so let's move on to the next. Uh, God, we still got tons more. Of this. Well, before we move on, from, I just wanted to point out with Dylan Head, I pulled up his numbers. He played 13 games in Lake Elsinore, 14 games in the Summer League. Uh, so he hit 294 with a 413 on base and a 471 slugging in those 14 games in the desert. And so on the field, there isn't a whole lot more you can ask for the guy. He was walking more than he was than he was striking out and all of that. Uh, But they must have seen the off the field stuff that also said, "Okay, this kid, he's mature. He's ready. And he fit in in Lake Elsinore. He absolutely was a part of that team at 241, 312, 333. Didn't hit one out, hit two triples and a double. Um, So not as much power, struck out a lot more, didn't draw as many walks. but give him a taste of that next level and like, okay, this is what you need to work for. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I understand that argument of you give him a taste rather than he's dominating the, the summer league. Let's just let him keep dominating the summer league. And then, you know what? Yeah. Congratulations. Well, uh, go have a nice off season. No, give him that carrot. Give him something to work yeah, toward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a game. That's the off season plan, player plan. All right. So talking about looking ahead to things, we're looking ahead to the Arizona, the Arizona Fall League and the guys at MLB Pipeline put out their little article about a prospect from each club we want to see in the Fall League and their choice. I thought this was interesting. They said Jairo Iriarte. Uh, the Padres sent Iriarte to double A San Antonio bullpen after his promotion in mid-July. And while he's been bulking his workload back up as a starter recently, he still sits on only 85 and a third innings entering Wednesday, six fewer than he threw last season. The 21-year-old right-hander has the plus fastball and promising change to handle an assignment to the Peoria Javelinas with ease and would be one of the AFL's must-follow arms should he receive one. That makes a ton of sense to me um, because he's got the electric stuff that maybe you want to have a couple extra voices like, you know, not necessarily tweak anything, but it's always good to have some outside inside input on things. Cause right. that's the thing with the Havilinas. You've got, what is it? Six teams that feed into that. And so you've got coaches from all these different organizations and they're not there to revamp what anybody's doing, but help them Build get to the it. next level. Right. Absolutely. And so he started and then he was a reliever and then he went back to starting, but what he showed as a reliever, 
all of a sudden everybody was excited. Like Padres might need this guy this year, <laughs> but they're definitely going to need somebody like that next year, whether he's a starter or I mean, we were just talking about depth. And he's yeah. one of the guys right at the top of the list that you could see if he takes that next step and has a good first half and double a next year, we might be seeing him in a Padres uniform. Yeah. At, at the tender age, he'd probably be 22. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but age ain't nothing but a number. Yeah. I, I would love to, I, um, I had credentials for the Arizona Fall League. I just couldn't pencil a weekend. I just couldn't. We just didn't have the money. Um, but I have I've avenue to get credentials for the Arizona Fall League, and I was all set up. Um, and then last minute, I'm like, hey, I just couldn't pencil it in. Maybe going to try that again this year. I don't know. Once again, it's money's a little tight over here in a Jones residence. I just paid a lot of money, or we're still paying off a very large amount of money for some fresh chompers that you guys can hear through the microphone. Um, <laughs> we need to start a GoFundMe to send Donovan oh to the fall God, league. Dude. Um, but I'm excited to see that roster. And once again, after this year, it's great to hear, great to see who's going to be, who they're going to add. And it's always someone random too. It's always someone, it won't be a, a Grand Polly or a Nathan Martorella. It'll, you know, it'll be like a mash, uh, you know, Marcus Castagnon or, a, you know, our, not Frank Francis Pena, but, you know, some random guys that we weren't thinking of. Right. I mean, it always seems like they pull a pitcher in that you didn't you didn't really see coming. Um, it, it, but it, it makes it interesting. And it, it's like yeah. it's going to drop. I keep I keep searching it because I think a couple of teams have announced a couple of guys that are going to go. And it's like drip, 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 drip. And then one day drop. Here's Baseball America has the news and they've got everybody. All right. So let's move on. All right. So MLB Network is going to air the minor league baseball awards show on October 2nd. And I believe this is the first time yeah. that they're doing this on TV. So minor league baseball and MLB network announced the first ever MILB awards show, which will air on MILB network, MLB network on October 2nd at 8 PM Eastern. The MILB awards show will highlight the top prospects in the minors, the best on-field performances, and many of the top moments of the 2023 season. Longtime MLB Network Emmy Award-winning host and play-by-play announcer Matt Vaskersian and former Padres broadcaster will host the show from the MLB Network. Along uh, the awards will be presented in the in an hour-long show. Fans will see which players are selected as minor league hitting prospect of the year, minor league pitching prospect of the year, which players will make the all MILB prospect team, which will feature one player at each position with the first and second team announced, breakout player of the year, debut of the year, defensive player of the year, team of the year, best single game performance, defensive play of the year, and home run of the year. Additionally, the winning team for the best alternative identity, a team nickname other than the club's regular name and logo, will be revealed following a fan vote on MILB.com that begins September 19th. I just saw that vote. Did you did you see it by I chance? haven't seen it yet. So there's four teams. I don't remember what all four of them are, but my two favorite were the Eugene Exploding Whales. Yes. And, and the Hickory Dickory Docks. Yes. So that's so <laughs> this is different from the Copa identi- identity when they celebrate the Latin culture in every community. This is like it was like the Fort Wayne tacos are already, you know, that's yeah, the Exploding Whales is great. The, the shirt for that is fantastic. Now, d- d- do you remember the backstory behind that whole thing? Yeah, they tried I, to blow up a whale. They didn't try; they actually did. I, there was a so this is back in the seventies. I'm going off on a tangent, but this is one of my this favorite things. Oh, this, is that, this is back in the seventies, and there was a whale that was beached 
up on the Oregon coast and somebody came up with the brilliant idea that they'll put a bunch of dynamite under the thing. And I don't know what they expected to happen when they lit that dynamite off, but the absolute worst possible outcome happened as just tons of blubber and rotten whale bits were sprayed in every direction for vast distances. And I can only imagine what the ensuing mess must have looked and smelled like. And it was still tons of the whale left. Like it didn't, the idea was to blow it up to bits and carry it off in smaller parts. There was still a large portion of this whale that, that needed to be, they, I think they eventually just buried it right there. Didn't they just bury it or did they drag it out to sea? Some, something like that. But, but the, it, it, the, it, it was it was covered live on broadcast yeah. news because this is this is in the middle of, of coastal Oregon in the 70s. There's nothing going on. And so something like this, like everybody came out to see what's happening. This is must see TV. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love I love it. And so I love that Eugene adopted that as the uh, as their alternative identity, the exploding whales. And then they Hickory Dickory Docks. And I saw that name. And I'm like, oh, my God, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> OK, so so, mo- so moving on. And that's going to be I, I'm going to go back to I'm going to vote tonight as soon as I get off the podcast. Um, so Robbie Selling was nominated for pitching prospect of the year. He's one of the three nominees. So much for high school draftees needing to be slowly developed. Huh? The above slot bonus of three million. The Padres gave Stelling as the number 39 overall pick in 2022 might look like a bargain and soon. The teenage southpaw pitched his way across three levels and more than held his own at each stop. Snelling combined for a 1.82 ERA with the lowest of any minor leaguer more than with more than 80 innings pitched in 2023. His 1.12 ER, a whip, goddamn kid, um, was second among all top 100 pitchers, and he finished in the top 10 in that group in the K-9, K-9 rate. Oh, and he's still only 19 and was the only pitcher to stay in his teens and top 100 innings for the season. You know, coming into the season, we were hearing that, okay, he's a football player. He's a baseball player. He's got a football body. He's, you know, how's that all going to work? And I was kind of expecting a a development year, not for this kid to just hit the ground running and to mow guys down. It's like on top of the physicality, it's the whole approach that he's got that, that has impressed me the most. Like he'll get a couple of guys on, he'll give up a run or two. And then it's like this switch flips and he turns it on to another level. And that's, that's rare. Yeah, he had it happened to him last night. Happened to him all season. Last night, runners on first and second. Um, one run scored. Like there was only one run scored, and he had the bases loaded. Just like I'm like, watch this, lady. Watch what? What? Well, there's a runner on first. You know, he's got no outs, and there's like guys are all over the bases. Watch what happens. Boom, strike out. Boom, pop out. Oh, a run scored. Like he limited the damage when it could have just been a massacre. That's that's got to be so hard to be on that mound and things are starting to go sideways. And how do you hold yourself together, let alone find something extra to to, to end the inning like that? You know, and I really wonder if that having because he was drafted in 2022 and he stayed all year at the complex. And when we talked to him earlier this year in the beginning of the season, you know, he worked they worked on his changeup. And I wonder if just having that year with, you know, with the coaching, with the development at the instructional level really made a difference because coming yeah. out just phenomenal. 
And I mentioned the football body part, and I would imagine that being at the complex, they were able to put a lot of work in on the conditioning side to teach him, okay, this is what you need to do to get your body ready. Uh, Because he hasn't, I I don't think he's missed a start all summer. He's been, he's been reliable, you know, ring that bell every time it shows up, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Now I remember they said he, you know, they worked on his change up and they transitioned his body from a football body to a baseball body. There you go. Because there's difference between football muscles and and baseball muscles. So, oh, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. That's all the news. We're on now to the affiliate rundown. (laughs) That's as much news as we could cover. There's, there's more out there, I'm sure. All right. So, we're going to skip over the storm because unfortunately, the storm season has ended. And as we noted earlier, the storm players have been distributed among the other rosters as needed um as always thank you mad friars we appreciate everything that they do and uh you listeners out there it's definitely worth your five bucks a month uh to sign up for all their interviews and all their game recaps and all their everything that they do so taking it to fort wayne strike one a game one uh tin caps beat the loons five nothing this was the first game of the playoff series and what a fun game it was to watch so what started as a pitcher's duel ended in a commanding fort wayne win in game one of the semifinals against great lakes thanks in part to the first high a homer by sammy zavala mlb's number 94 overall prospect and before i get into the game i want to point out how strong fort wayne showed up for that game I saw Huge. multiple people during that game, Dylan Sin and, and John Nolan and Mike Nutter talking about it's not the biggest crowd that they've seen, right. but it was the most engaged crowd that they'd had all season that they were hanging on every strike. They were into it from the first pitch to the last. And I love that for the city of Fort Wayne. Yeah. All right. So in the bottom of the seventh inning, 19-year-old outfielder Sammy Zavala mashed a 2-2 pitch to right field for a three-run homer to break the game open. In 14 games with Fort Wayne, Zavala had gone just four for 51 with six RBIs. The number five Padres prospect compiled a slash line of 267, 420, 451 in 101 games with Lake Elsinore. He was... He was killing it in Lake Elsinore. He was having a really good year and he earned that promotion up to high A and it just never came together for him. And so I, it was of all the players on that roster to have that big moment for Sammy to do it. It, it, it made me feel the best because it's like he needed that. And boy, did he smoke that pitch? My goodness. You know, I I really think with, uh, with Sammy and, you know, Jed Norris talked about it and hell of Rosman Verdugo talked about it with that leg kick. You know, it needs adjusting when you get to a little bit better, you know, a little bit better pitch mix, a little bit quality pitching. Um, it has to be adjusted. Maybe that was the adjustment that, that needs to be had, but it was really great to see him just hit that right when he hit. I put it on the video. I put it on Twitter and it was just crushed. Oh, it's a no doubter. And it was, I mean, yep. he got everything into that swing. Oh my God. What a moment. Uh, so San Diego's number 27 prospect, Nerbley and Cedeno, started the scoring with an RBI double in the fourth, and Carlos Luis singled in an insurance run in the sixth. The only tin caps, uh, the only tin cap with multiple knocks was leadoff hitter Tyler Robertson, who doubled twice. Starter Henry Baez worked out of a few jams, scattering three hits and five walks while striking out four over four innings. The 20-year-old made four starts for Fort Wayne after being promoted on the rookie-level uh, Arizona Complex League on August 15th. And that whole game, those guys were working out of jams. And it yeah, was amazing yeah. that they were able to keep them scoreless in that game. 
Yeah, absolutely phenomenal game. Tyler Robertson has really, you know, the past couple of weeks of the season was turning it on and in the playoffs really turned it on to another level. It's funny because I get Tyler Robertson and Cole Cummings, those two guys mixed up all the time. And we talked and I talked to Tyler. Um, I just, every time I think of those two, I get them, they get twisted in my head. It's weird. <laughs> All That's right. like me and, and Corey Howell and and who's who's the Connor other guy? Hollis. It's Connor, Connor Hollis, Hollis and Corey, and Corey Howell. Howell. I yeah. see those names and I always think one's the other. Right. So strike two. Friday the Tin Caps lost a close one in the deciding game three. Dylan Lasko fanned three across three innings, allowing two runs. Lesko sailed through the first inning, retiring the loons in order. After a scoreless second inning, the 20-year-old ran into trouble in the third inning. And after a slow roller, slow roller was ruled a hit, a slow roller, the third was ruled a hit, and an RBI double was just off Lucas Dunn's glove in an unfamiliar role in center field. He escaped the jam. Uh, he escaped the jam, came out for the fourth inning, and allowed the first three inning batters to reach before being pulled. Not the greatest, you know, once again, these high expectations we have with these guys, you know, and this late in the season coming from a guy that came back from Tommy John's surgery this year, um, you almost run a womp womp. Instead, I celebrate it like, dude, he did really well. He got into some jams, got out of it, um, and just, I think, overall did really well for his first year uh, in in affiliated ball after Tommy John's surgery. Right. And so we we talked about how the Padres kept moving guys around to try to stack these rosters. And you know that the other teams are doing the same thing. So Great Lakes, he was facing a really strong lineup. And he'd already been moved up a level from where he started the season. It, I mean, at the end of the season, he's healthy and everything is is pointing in the up direction. And that's all you can really ask for the guy. You know, and that and that Loons team had been, I remember hearing it on the broadcast, the Loons team had essentially been the same team as last year. When oh, the team, okay. When the team that was playing the Loons in this playoff game was essentially Lucas Dunn, and Lucas Dunn, it was like the only guy that was on the roster from from the beginning of the season. Oh, how about right. that? Moving on. So Austin Crab posted uh, posted three uh, innings shutout, three innings, uh, three innings of shutout ball in relief. Thank you. The twenty three year old had a solid season, showing consistent ability to generate ground balls and reduce weak contact. Crab threw just. Four to third innings after the Padres drafted him in the twelfth round last summer, but posted a two point seven two ERA with one hundred and twenty four strikeouts across one hundred and nine innings this year. Another breakout season, another inc- just really nice pitching. Keegan Colette and Carter Lowen each tossed a scoreless frame as well. You know, both of those guys had really strong years. Keegan Collette and Carter Lowen. Yeah, Carter Lowen, friend of the podcast. I couldn't be happier for him coming off yeah. Tommy John surgery and. Uh, down the stretch, he was the multi-inning kind of lockdown guy. He was doing a bunch of things for Fort Wayne this year. Uh, so the 2023 Tin Caps posted the club's first overall winning season since 2015, first playoff appearance since 2017. Along the way, Fort Wayne set a franchise record for home runs in a season and threw a no-hitter for the first time in a decade. Uh, so congratulations to the team and to the fans and to Absolutely. the people Mike running Nutter. the team and everybody in Fort Wayne. Yeah. What a great season all the way around. Absolutely. All right. So moving on to San Antonio uh, on Tuesday, 
Robbie Snelling put together another solid outing for the missions, and the only real trouble that happened was in the first. Uh, the Southpaw had to pitch out of trouble in the top of the first inning. Victor Scott the second began the game with a bloop single to left field. Noah Medlinger got uh, grounded out to first base. On the play, Scott advanced to third on a throwing error. Snelling left Scott stranded at third after retiring the next two batters. <laughs> Maybe that's the inning you were talking about where you're like, yeah. hey, Liddy, come check this out. The 19-year-old allowed one run on five hits across five innings of of work. He did not issue a walk while striking out three batters. Overall, the Reno, Nevada native has walked 10 batters in 17 and a third innings, but he's been able to limit the damage with 19 strikeouts. Snelling finishes his first full season with an 11 and three record and a 1.82 ERA with a stellar 118 to 34 strikeout to walk ratio between Lake Elsinore, Fort Wayne and San Antonio in 103 and two thirds innings. Ah. Yeah, that's a that's about a big mouthful. But that's, my that's gosh, amazing. what a great year for him. That's a lot of dominance. It really that's, is. That's that's shades of Mackenzie Gore, if not better. I, I think Mackenzie Gore eventually had better numbers, uh, but just phenomenal, just phenomenal season for this kid. Well, that year that Mac had those great numbers in like Elsinore, he moved up to Fort Wayne, had the blister issue. And he had the, the blister. No, he moved up to Amarillo. That's what it was. That's right. It was high A up to Amarillo. And he got lit up on a couple of games. And so his numbers at the end of the season, I don't think they were that good. Now, people who were there say that Mac looked more dominant in yeah. the games. But, I mean, you're kind of, it's one and one A. I mean, what a great season. All right. So Homer Bush Jr. was a bit of a surprise addition to the missions roster last week, considering he was in college just three months ago. However, the outfielder has played well since joining the double A roster. He had a pair of singles and drove in a run on Tuesday. He's four for nine since joining the missions roster. Yeah. I was curious how he would handle moving up so quickly. And he's a college guy and he comes from the baseball DNA background. So he, I'm sure he's got that air quotes he's got that dog in him and a certain yeah. the the sense of belief that he's got but it's hard to move up a level like that and continue to succeed well and absolutely and one of the things that it's one of the things that we don't see we only read the stat line we only watch the games every day or whatever we don't see what the evaluators see in a guy so he moved up he skipped high a he won't see fort wayne unfortunately mike nutter he probably won't make it to fort wayne Unless on an injury rehab, maybe someday when he's a pro. But you think they're jumping him straight to double A next year? I, I guarantee you know, after after what he's shown and now in the playoff games, I think he might he might stay there. No, we'll see. Time will tell. You know, it's one of those things where we, we went, Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're gonna ruin the guy. He's more than held his own, stole bags, plays excellent outfield. Um, so it's one of those things where we don't see what they see, we don't know what they know when they move some of these guys up. So I, I, you know, after watching him perform in, in double a, he certainly belongs there. I think he'll certainly stick there next year and move up. Okay. Well, back to last Tuesday's game. And again, this isn't yesterday's game. This is a week this ago, Tuesday. A week ago. So Graham Paul, he only had one hit, but he made it count. The third baseman connected on a solo Homer, his second and 16 games with the missions and his 22nd overall. The third baseman has been the best hitter in the system all year, but he's turned things on in the second half. Over his last 61 games, most of which came in Fort Wayne, the left-handed hitting infielder has 16 homers. In 123 games this season, Pauly has a 933 OPS. 
Cole Cummings had two hits, including his 11th homer of the season. The 25-year-old didn't hit much after being promoted midseason from Fort Wayne, but he has four homers and 37 appearances this month. His power display has resulted in a slash line of 323, 432, 839 on the season. Cummings will have five more games to reach a new career high in homers. He hit 12 between Lake Elsinore and Fort Wayne last season. Well, let me say this. The two guys, yeah, that, this, the two guys I get mixed up are Cole Cummings and Tyler Robertson. So is it the way they look, the way they, the yeah, way that the, they like both tall, lanky one's left-handed one's right-handed, but they're both tall, lanky. They look like ball players. I mean, you look at Tyler Robertson, you're going, that's a ball player. You look at Cole Cummings, like that's a baseball player. He doesn't look like a basketball player. Nothing like a football. Like that's a baseball player. It's just something about happens in my head that like I put those two guys together and wow, my head just <laughs> sticks them together. All right. So take us to strike two. Yo, so strike two Friday. <laughs> Adam Mazur allowed one run on two hits in the top of the first inning. After that, he settled in and secured his second double-A victory. The Minnesota native allowed one earned run on five hits across five innings of work. Along the way, he issued one walk and struck out four batters. The 22-year-old threw 98 innings in his debut season between Fort Wayne and San Antonio. While he was a little too hittable with the missions, opponents hit 301 against him. He showed good command and averaged more than a strikeout per inning. Graham probably had two more doubles to continue his breakout campaign. His multi-effort hit his multi-effort raised his September batting line to 346, 447, 576. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Overall, Paulie's first personal season has been a resounding success between Lake Elsinore, Fort Wayne, and San Antonio. The 22-year-old has slugged 22 homers, knocked in 92 runs, and added 22 steals. In addition to his prowess at the plate, Pauly can play second and third and has seen some time in the outfield. You know, I don't. E- I didn't even realize he's still just 22. I feel like he's 25 years old in, in, my, right. in my head. Right. And he made some nice plays in left field. He made a diving catch last week, and he's only played, like I said, only a handful of, of uh, appearances in the outfield. But, I mean, the guy can play. He's a ball player. He can play yeah. wherever. You find a way to you find somewhere to play him to keep him in the lineup. Yep. All right. So strike three. Saturday was a roller coaster of lead changes until the missions broke a five all tie with back to back solo home runs to right by the red hot Graham Polly and Nathan Martorella in the eighth inning. Polly is having a monster September. Uh, this game put him up to 415, 478, 732, and 46 <laughs> plate appearances in the month with nine extra base hits, two of them home runs in nine games. In 19 games with the missions, he has a batting average of 342 with 13 extra base hits. On the year through three levels, he's hit uh, 311, 396, 544 with 22 stolen bases in 27 attempts and one of the most productive seasons in the minor leagues. Last year, Pauly joined the Storm after being drafted by the Padres from Duke in the 13th round and hit 328 in 17 games, but he had to leave the team early to finish his economics degree and finish out on Lake Elsinore's championship run. You have a good for him for finishing the the degree. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a life, that's a life achievement. Yeah. That's that's bigger than a baseball achievement. What's getting buried in that is he was in the 13th round. Right. Well, so those those are the interesting. That's I like playing the numbers game with the draft and seeing how they how they manage all of that because that thirteenth round that's where the first last year I think it was the first hundred twenty five thousand of the bonus didn't count against the bonus pool. So that's where they can give a little bit more. Yeah, like hey, you know, try to try to pull you away from finishing out your career at Duke, and and I'm glad that they did. 
So um, he'll get another opportunity to win a championship starting Tuesday in Amarillo, which we're going to talk about next. Jackson Merrill appeared at DH again and has yet to play in the field on the current homestand after he sat out the final four games in the last series with report, which what was reported to be a minor hamstring issue. And we now know he was transferred to the development list with that hamstring issue, which is, which is fine. Go, go rest up. Fantastic season. We'll see you next year. Uh, he has one hit in his last 19 plate appearances. Um, in his final start of the regular season, Jairo Iriarte struck out nine batters nine. across five innings of work. The right-hander did not allow a hit until the fourth inning. Springfield also broke up the shutout during that half inning. Iriarte's night came to an end during the top of the sixth inning. Jose Alvarez drew a walk to start the inning. Victor Scott the second lifted a fly ball over the right field wall for a two-run home run. Jason Blanchard took the mound for the missions to relieve Iriarte. The Southpaw retired all three batters he faced to end the inning. Efren Contreras came on in the ninth, and after giving up a run, got the last two batters to give San Antonio their third win against Springfield. Yeah. How Iriarte, Iriarte was just on fire that game. Just just mowing guys down. I wonder if we'll see him uh, tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, he's, not, it, he's not the announced starter, but, you know, it's all hands on deck at some point. You know, it's funny. It's one of the things I um I mentioned to John on Monday when I saw him at the ballpark was like, in in their playoffs they didn't stack their rotation to have like the you know it was it was Henry Baez who isn't the best pitcher in in the rotation there. The second game was uh, Michael uh, Cienfuegos. Like they just kind of kept those guys going in their same rotation, which I thought was fantastic because you gave all those guys a chance to see some postseason ball. In their regular, you know, in their regular starting time. Right, right. Uh, Ryan Berger is lined up to take tomorrow's start for San Antonio. Oh, yeah. All right. So, hold on, hold on. Another breakout, dude. Another, another fucking breakout pitcher. Oh, yeah. He was, he was the best pitcher in San Antonio last year. And this year, he's only continued doing what he's doing. And so, he's somebody that the prospect list don't, you know, talk about a whole lot. But definitely somebody to keep your eye on. You know, Matt Waldron made his way to the majors after being an unheralded guy all this time. And so who knows who might be that guy next year? Yeah. All right. So the game, last night's game. Holy cow. Now, did you watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. I was at the Padres game. And so <laughs> a friend of ours happened to sit down in front of us and she had the missions game on her phone. And so I'm watching Blake Snell try to try to keep a no hitter going and all of us in the section wasn't saying a thing about it and and then megan's in front of me and she's got her phone and i'm watching the missions game so i've got two incredibly stressful vastly different games going on at the same time okay so so you know robbie snowing started that game so first things first let's set the scene amarillo we were there what two years ago as the double a affiliate uh Mm -hmm. mckenzie gore was there three years ago mckenzie gore was there um we see a bunch of these guys that came through Amarillo and it is, uh, it's a pitcher's, it's a pitcher's nightmare. It's, it's so a launching hard. pad. It's a launching pad. It's hard to, to see, you know, to evaluate guys. Cause the two home runs I saw from Amarillo last night were balls that hit on their front foot that went opposite field deep into the night. Like these balls weren't even hardly hit and they went out. Um, it, it's just amazing. So, when you do really good there, like say you know on the mound, it's it means something. And when you don't, you know, do so great, it's not that you know you don't know how to judge that besides the strikeout and walk ratio. I would suspect, but there was um, let's see, the missions hit five home runs last night. Nathan Mortarella 
is wanted for murder. He murdered two baseballs. Oh my God, that kid just, he flattened some baseballs, man. And he did it. The first one was in the first inning after a, after a, a grand poly double. Let me see. I, I just, yeah. And then later on in the third inning, hits another shot. Office. Now I saw I saw the first one and it was just absolutely obliterated and it was one of those it's it's earlier this season I didn't feel like he had that same power stroke like he was he's he's been a good hitter all year but he looks different now than he did two or three months ago yeah you know kind of like in, early in the season he was hitting mistakes now he's hunting pitches and he's hitting them out. Oh, so nice to see. So yeah. you were talking about the environment. It's in, in uh, Amarillo. Yesterday, I, I got the box score pulled up here. It was 89 degrees at first pitch with a nine mile an hour wind going out to right field. And so what's that going to set you up for? That's going to set you up for some for a, a, a missile show. All right. So Nathan Morello hits first after Marcus Castillo double. HBJ hits one first pitch dead central. I posted all these. Uh, videos on on Twitter, and what happens on my computer is if you record too much, and sometimes if you even record, it goes dark because you're not supposed to. It's disseminating um, minor league baseball without express written consent. Snap. So, so it, it goes dark. Um, so I didn't get the first one. I think I did, and it was dark. Uh, the second one, the Homer J. Bush, man, it just dead central, man. It was a true home run. Um, and then in the third inning... <laughs> Grant Pauly kept the inning alive with a two-out single. Mortarell launched his second homer of the game, which was an absolute frozen rope. Like, he hit that ball off his shoe top and straight to the outfield. Like, it, it barely got maybe 30 feet in the air <laughs> before landing, before killing some kid in the right field. Oh, my God. <laughs> then later on, Cole Cummings hits a homer, and his ball was like the way Amarillo is. It, like, the center field is a little off. Right center is really deep. The camera guy couldn't even get it. It was so it was hit so far. The camera guy didn't follow it, but it went to the deepest part of the field, and that was it. Halfway to Oklahoma. Oh my God! Halfway to Tulsa. Um, <laughs> and then later on in the game, and so it came back and forth. Like they, you know, Robbie Stone didn't have his greatest outing. He gave up three runs, I think, and they just kept coming back. And like I said, it's like Coors Field. Like no load lead is safe. So in the ninth inning. Amarillo losing by what seven runs, like five runs, came back and tied it in the ninth yeah. goddamn inning. Well, so let's see. Okay, so I've got I've got a box score pulled up here. So it was it was four to three after four innings, and then Amarillo scored three runs, and that put them up by two. And then the eighth inning, my my math's off. Anyway, the eighth inning, San Antonio scored in a run, ninth inning. And that was that was so rough to see because Efren Contreras pitched a good eighth inning, right. and then he started off the ninth inning, and it was a little shaky. Gave up a walk, and then something else, and then you got it, hit a three run bomb. Right. Well, no, the three run bomb came in the tenth. The tenth. Yes, I'm sorry. Right. They brought in Daniel Camarena, who was able to get out of the inning, and they brought him back out in the tenth inning. But then the top of the tenth, San Antonio scored five runs, including that ridiculous Marcos Castellon homer. Dude, that was the best bat flip ever we love that kid and as soon as he hit it there goes the bat and it's just like let's go and then and then the bottom of the inning Camarena came back out and we're thinking okay just go out there throw strikes you got a big right. lead right. Yeah, that's all you need to do just put the ball in play but no this is Amarillo and they came back scored four runs in that inning and so uh San Antonio wound up winning the game 12 to 11 
Holy smokes, what a roller coaster of a game. Roller coaster of a game. Thank God they're out of there. Thank God they're going to be back in San Antonio uh, tomorrow night with Robbie Burgett uh, starting. Yeah, what, what fantastic. But to watch Nathan Waterella and, Mar- you know, the Castagnon and these guys just break. Like it, it, they continue to just have these breakout seasons that no one ever thought of, you know. Well, and Castagnon, he's he's had a lot of struggles this year, and he did okay in Fort Wayne, and then came up to San Antonio, and he's had a hard time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's adjustments, and so again, like Sammy Zavala and his big home run in in High A, it's nice to see somebody who's been struggling and working through some stuff have that big moment and that exclamation point to put on the end of the season. So you're not looking back and like, oh man, that whole second half just dragged. Yeah. You've got that bright spot to kind of inspire you. You know, and Kessinger is one of these hardball, dirtbag kind of guys that that he's going to, you know, the, if he keeps continuing on his trajectory, you know, he will, he could make the major leagues. I think he's a major league potential player. Um, he's not the most fleet of foot, uh, but he's got a solid glove and the battle carry him. Well, that can go a long way. It, it can. So let's move All on. Right. Yeah, let's move on to El Paso. A little bit of a letdown. Go ahead. So strike one here. The Chihuahua was lost all week until Friday. Uh, so on Tuesday, left-hander Aaron Leash. These are the games. Yeah, this is like you have to look through. You have to look past yeah. the score. You have to look past what the bad performances are, and you have to look for the bright sides in, in what's going on. So Tuesday, left-hander Aaron Leisher took the loss despite pitching fairly well. He went six innings, allowed two runs on three hits, walking four and striking out four. That's not a bad day in the in the Pacific Coast League. After a miserable start to his season with the Chihuahuas, pitching out of the bullpen, the former Moorhead State hurler has found a role in the rotation. In seven starts with El Paso, Leisher has a 3.66 ERA spanning 32 innings. The only extra base hit for El Paso came from Daniel Johnson, who doubled it in a pair of runs in the eighth inning. The 28-year-old outfielder has hit well since joining the Chihuahuas, providing a source of power and speed at the top of the lineup. In 18 games for El Paso, Johnson has had 979 OPS, about 200 points higher than the mark he posted with the missions. Assuming he's not added to the 40-man roster, Johnson will hit the market as a free agent again this winter. He hasn't played in the big league since the 2021 season. Yeah, He was a free agent pickup in the offseason, uh, but he's from right there in uh, New Mexico, went to college there in New Mexico State. So it's been it's that's been the fun story of the second half for the Chihuahuas. Yeah, absolutely. That and Tirso Ronellas. That's a decision they're going to have to make in the offseason right after the World Series because they're either going to lose him in free agency, uh, Tirso Ornelas, or they're going to have to put him on the 40-man. Right. So it'll be some of that roster shuffling that, that you know, all teams kind of do that. They they find a way to get a, you know, get a guy, move a guy here, and keep him, keep protect the guys that they want to protect. That's another part of the season I love to track, though. It's 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 so interesting to see what they do. All right, so here's strike two. I didn't put together a strike three. We had so much to talk about. Um, then we had to talk about the El Paso. Sorry about that. Uh, Friday ended their five-game losing streak with a 5-3 win over the Albuquerque Isotopes. Topes, uh, with infielders Max Strzok and Tim Lopes hitting the IL this week. Jose Santabria, who spent the year in the Complex League and 2023 10th rounder Nick McClary, Promoted to keep the Chihuahuas roster afloat. Kind of like that. You need one a job. <laughs> one a job. Um, yep. I'm made the start and tripled off the former big leaguer, Connor Siebold, in his AAA debut. The former University of Arizona hit well down the stretch for the storm. Daniel Johnson led off the bottom of the first inning with a solo home run to right field. 
It was the first time a Chihuahua batter let out the first inning with a home run since Matthew Batten, the captain, on June 28th in Albuquerque. Johnson has homered in back-to-back games and has hit four homers in September. The Chihuahuas hit three triples to set a new season high for triples in a game. Pitcher Jake Room and Albuquerque pitcher Chance Adams were both ejected between the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, God, and I asked Tim about that, and I can't remember what he said. They were chirping. Both of them were chirping at the umpire. Um, oh, my God. Give me a second. Okay. He said, uh, he said, benches empty between innings after Adams was exchanging words with the El Paso dugout. No punches thrown, but it got pretty heated. <laughs> So they must have knocked a couple of guys down or something like that. But yeah, they both got. That's great that the, both the starting pitchers got kicked out. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So righty Kevin Cops pitched a scoreless eighth inning, uh, allowing a hit and striking out a batter. The 26 year old has an 8.25 ERA in 12 innings with the Chihuahuas. While the ERA looks terrible, nine of his 11 runs he allowed came in a pair of ugly outings at the beginning of the month. Outside of that, Cops has fared well in his shot in the PCL. And I posted a couple of videos of his slider. It has gotten much more crisper, much more break, and just a much better shape. And I, I think he could shoot for a, a bullpen slot in spring training, maybe come up a little bit later in the season if, if things continue to uh, progress with him. But he is, he is going to be in the bullpen sooner rather than later. Yeah, the Padres have somebody who understands some magic with the slider. Last year, it was Evan Miller who got that crazy wipeout slider. This year, we see what Tom Cosgrove's got, and he's throwing that. He's slanging that thing, and it looks like it's moving four feet across the plate. 70 miles an hour. It's just unreal. Uh, But I wanted to point out before we sign off here, so you pointed out all the triples that they hit in that game. I was watching that game. Jorman Rodriguez, who's like a first baseman part-time catcher, he hit a triple in that in that game. He hit uh, he hit game a triple in back to back games, and that was the first triple he'd hit since 2021. Like crazy things happen. Where does he get back to back triples like that? Well, in, these ballparks are huge. Don't get me wrong. And he's like Miguel Cabrera size. He's a big boy. Right. Well, I was thinking more Benji Molina, but yeah, (laughs) he moves better than Benji Molina, but it makes me think of that time that Benji Molina needed a triple for the cycle and he hit the slowest triple you'll ever see anybody hit. Uh, Uh, But no, I mean, that's, that's, that's the fun this time of year to, to watch in triple a because the Chihuahuas, they're not doing, they've got, they've got a bad record and they're losing a lot of games, but you still have to look in there and find some, some, some bright gleams of hope. I'm not disappointed that the, uh, isotopes beat the snot out of the Chihuahuas because in exchange, the Padres swept their major league team, the Rockies, uh, in, you know, this feels like the first time feels like the first, it's time. been a long time since the Padres swept anybody. And it's been at least 162 games since they won seven in a row. God, poor Bowman just must be like, he's asking the same question. Like why now? I yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah, he's saying all the right things, you know, because we were here. I was listening to the radio and hearing his interviews. Oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? He's saying all the right things. He's a pro. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus. And there's nobody in that clubhouse that's going to do that. So all these expose articles, do with them what you want. um, And we'll see when the rubber hits the road this offseason because something's going to change. There's always turnover. And after a season like this, Something big has to change. Who knows what it, it could, it could start all the way at the top, could be in the manager's office, could be somewhere in between. Who knows? 
But uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep watching everybody and hope everybody has a good day. Absolutely. So with that, you can reach me on Twitter at SJ Donovan. You can find me at Zippy underscore TMS. I climb any mountain. Let's go missions. Sail across the storm. Let's see us like a bear.